welcome to episode 68 of In The Saddle podcast. I'm Katie Clements and this week's betting preview, we will be covering the weekend's action, mostly on Saturday at Doncaster, Kelso and Newbury. So this week I am joined by the original gang. We've got Chris Loder, Mark Krosky and Paul Callahan. Paul, how's things your end? Uh, it's been a, a rough old week. To be fair, to say the least, I think on the certainly on the horse racing front, it's been it goes without saying. Um, obviously we can't get to it. We couldn't have got to it any sooner. Um, with all our, you know, we all work and what have you, so we couldn't get here any sooner. So um, we'll talk about that. I'm sure later, probably to kickstart the show. But it's been a long week, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll a long disappointing week to say the least on that front. However, on a more personal level, today. Um, Academically, I've passed all my Christmas exams and I'm three exams unbelievably away from having a bachelor's degree in business studies, which if you had to say it to me maybe six or seven years ago, um, I wouldn't have believed you. you know? Well done, mate. I'm just going to give a, give a plug here to actually a shameless plug to, to thank, obviously, my wife first for, for support. Um, Helen O'Sullivan from the Irish Jockeys Trust, who were very instrumental and directed me I kind of, I wouldn't have said I hit a low point, but I hit, certainly hit a rocky point a few years back. And it was true, not preparing for my future. So if any current jockey or former jockey is at a crossroads, but certainly a, a current jockey, whether you've ridden one winner or a thousand winners, I would certainly be a one eye on the future. Um, mightn't have to be academically, you know, there's apprenticeships and what have you, but you have Phil Kinsler and Lisa Delaney from Jets. In England, and then we we also have Helen O'Sullivan and the Irish Jockey Trust here in Ireland. And certainly, if you fail, pre- prepare, failing to prepare is certainly preparing to, to fail. So, yeah, I can't thank them enough. Good advice, Paul. Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Like Paul said, it's been one hell of uh, a week already. Yeah, I was working at Sky Sports Racing, covering uh, all the the press releases and the statements everyone was making about the subject. So it did my head in. Uh, I, I, I haven't really had time, I think, to actually sit and think about the story too much because <laughs> I was swanning around everywhere like a blue-ass fly and had so many announcements going on. So, yeah, so it'd be interesting to get into it. And also as well, this weekend is going to be good racing. A couple of my favourite horses are going to be on show, especially at Kelso, which... Uh, we'll get into later on but yeah uh, i think the, the, the this weekend's racing might just perk me up a little bit from what we had earlier in the week and mark how are you doing we don't get to talk very often it's a lie uh, anyway <laughs> uh, i um i echo paul and i crystal others comments congratulations paul callahan i'm getting Thank that you. line good job um that's been a it's been quite a stressful week uh, for everyone on this podcast, because we all we're all involved with with racing in, in some capacity or form. Um, obviously, it all sort of kicked off on on Saturday evening, and obviously developed very very quickly. Um, social media has been very, I mean, it can be toxic at, at the best of times, but definitely in the last seventy two hours, it's been a bit crazy, hasn't it? Um, and obviously, we'll get onto that later on, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been. It's been heartbreaking and it's been upsetting and in a way I'm really glad that we're doing this podcast a bit later in the week. I think it's important when you talk about these things to go through the motions of feeling what you feel and having your opinions but when it comes down to it you've got to put your emotions aside and be realistic and I think now that we can all have a chat about that, um, hopefully we can put our viewpoints across in a way that makes sense without the raw emotion and the blood pumping from your initial reaction to everything because it it hasn't been easy and it has been upsetting. Um, I mean, why do you get interested in horse racing at the start if it isn't for the love of the horse? So it's it's been pretty stressful. Um, and yeah, Twitter has not been a very nice place to be. So I guess we're talking about it now. Um, who wants to start off proceedings? It's a good point. You actually made straight away, Katie, about emotion and like in any decision, in any aspect of your life, making a decision on raw emotion, it never ends well. 
Um, and obviously you could see that unfolding on social media um, on Saturday evening. It was basically, is it true or is it, is it it's not? It was sort of like, it was like two sides sort of facing off against each other. Obviously, we didn't want it to be, to be real, but <sighs> amazingly, it was. And um, I, I just, I literally couldn't believe it when I, when I saw it. It's rationally, what, what is going on here? Um, and it's been, been a real crazy week. Damages the, the sport, the integrity. Um, and it's an absolute, absolute nightmare just two weeks before Cheltenham. The uh, anti-horse racing brigade are having an absolute field day. It's not good. Um, it brings the, the game into total distribute. And that is for me i mean the emotional side of it for me personally has been i've owned three lovely x races that have been a product of the love and care and dedication that racing brings to these horses so to see that image being portrayed of the sport is is really upsetting and I mean, in the last three years alone, um, the image of the sport has improved massively to the general public. When I first got Grometti off the track and I was taking him to competitions, everyone would say, oh, you've done so well to rescue him. Thank you for helping a horse. And it's like, he's not rescued. He didn't need rescuing from racing. He's been rehomed. And my worry is that, yeah, the sport's been brought into disrepute and that kind of mentality and mindset will rear its head again. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I completely echo the thoughts of what you and Mark were just saying there. I couldn't believe it at first. I, I thought, no, this can't be real. Um, and was really shocked when obviously Gordon Elliott came out and he admitted that it was true. You wouldn't think that someone in his position would be capable of doing something like that. But I guess it shows that no one is untouchable, you know, and even people at the top of the game are capable of big mistakes and obviously it's just had a great big knock-on effect really um, and opened up a big can of worms because we then had the Rob James in- incident as well and and he was just like, oh my God, like how much more is there to come? Is there still more to come? Touch wood, hopefully there isn't. But I just think that obviously with Cheltenham and Grand National as well, not far away, Racing isn't going to be making the headlines for the right reasons. It rarely does. In, in my time of racing, when horse racing has made the right reasons, maybe when Brani and uh, Lizzie Kelly, um, Paisley Park, that magical Thursday at Cheltenham, that made the headlines for the right reasons. You know, I remember Brani's picture was on, on the front of the Sunday Times, which is quite a rare, a rare thing. You know, you don't see that too too often in the mainstream media and it's always more the negative stories that get portrayed in the sport and unfortunately this is just another one we had the covid last year at cheltenham and this is going to be um in the public eye over the next few weeks um the bha obviously have come in they've uh, said that elliot won't be allowed to have runners in his own name i think they've done the right decision they had to to act fast um i think a lot of people would have liked to have seen the high-profile horses like Envoy Allen, um, you know, Quilixios, Baliadon, all these horses, they want to see them at the Cheltenham Festival. Everybody does. And I think that's the only option they had if we were going to see these horses run. So I applaud them for doing that, but I can understand why some people are a little bit angry about it, you know, because it's kind of undermining what the the Irish regular, uh, the Irish um, horse racing authorities um I've got to do because obviously we'll find out their decision or we'll start to hear what they're thinking more tomorrow but yeah it's just a real shame for racing that this has come at a time where our sport is going to be on the spotlight for everybody to see and yeah it's just been one hell of a week and it's going to take a while I think for for the memory of these events to to, to disappear. Uh, Chris I mean talking about the aftermath we did uh some video content with Shane Wall on Tuesday, and even it hit there straight away as well. I mean, breaking news in Hong Kong straight away as well. So it's not just within the UK and Ireland. This is hit global. It's in Australia as well, New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. I, I, we um, 
we put a tweet out from France Henri Graffard, uh, one of France's leading flat trainers, you know, and he was uh, very critical of Guarnelia, um, saying that horses are well looked after. Because I think that's, at the end of the day, I'd say the two main negative images racing has to the wider public are welfare and gambling. Um, and obviously, welfare probably just comes out more on top than gambling, I'd say. But I think the two are fairly closely associated in the widescreen media anyway. Um, I think we kind of, I would say, racing the got on top of the welfare argument the last few years. You know, we hadn't had any fatalities in the national for quite a while until I think it might have been 2019. But, you know, racing looked like it was in a good place. And then with just this coming back, it just raises those questions again. So, yeah, racing's going to have to do a, another big job to try and get the message out there about welfare. Yeah, definitely. I think this is one of the things that has been in my mind from um away from the emotional side of things and in the real business mindset of the sport um sponsorship is pulling out of his yard because of the fact that yes okay this horse had passed and it wasn't alive and therefore it's welfare like you can't really say anything about that um but it does give you doubt and rightly or wrongly it gives you doubt um so in terms of sponsorship for the wider sport even if you're not directly linked to gordon elliott do you want to be linked to a sport that is now having this in mainstream media you probably don't it's it's worrying how it will affect the sport financially. Yeah, I mean, just obviously being a bet for employee, we obviously pulled the plug very quickly. Um, with Gordon Elliott, just his actions completely at odds with the values of the bet for a brand. I mean, the repercussions, I mean, it, it might be difficult for other trainers to get sponsorship now. Um, other bookmakers might fall bet for his lead because they don't want to be open to such a PR disaster. Um, yeah. Paul Carhan, how are things feeling over on the other side? Yeah, it's, well, not good. Um, do you know that the BHA have made the decision? I think there's a rule in this there that if I think they clearly want the best horses at the Cheltenham Festival, there's no rule in that they have to be, them horses would need to be in, a, in another yard for 14 days. I don't think ask. that's actually correct. I think a lot okay. of people have said this, but I heard I heard elsewhere that it wasn't actually if it's a license, they need to be with a licensed trainer for fourteen days, but if it's moving yards, then there can be leniency there. Okay. Um I don't like I know if Gordon the appeal is to or the sorry, not the appeal, the, the trial IHRB hearing is tomorrow morning as we are recording, it'll be today as as the, the people are, are listening to this if you know we don't know when there's going to be a decision from the hearing but gordon will have two weeks to you know 14 days to appeal which means he could still have runners and um, that would allow him you know if the bha took no no action that would allow him to have runners at cheltenham the bha i would imagine from they've made they've put their they've, they've laid their marker out that I think they don't want Gordon Elliott at, at the Cheltenham Festival this year. Um, but just going back to when the photo came out, I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. I wasn't sure. Obviously, a lot of people, there's a lot of mixed messages on on social media. Was it real or was it not? I'm not qualified in, in photoshopping, so I didn't comment the, the image anyway was pretty gross whether it was a it was a joke or, or whether it was real it was certainly no joke either way um i think what first set alarm bells ringing was that gordon elliott didn't come out to defend it to say that it wasn't real which would be fairly straightforward you know you see the image going out you pick up your phone you see it and you can just go that's absolutely nonsense he didn't do that then the confirmation came the statement was as bad 
as the, 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 the first statement that came out was absolutely was shocking. Do you know, um, I'm from a farming background and I'm 28 years in the horse racing industry. Starting off as a stable lad, went on to be an amateur jockey, professional jockey, now working in the in the betting industry and broadcasting in the betting industry for boil sports. I've never seen anything like, like that in my life. And to try and make a, I don't know, I, I just don't know what was, t- I don't know who... It was just a story that made no sense. Yeah, I don't know if Gordon was even thinking when when releasing the statement, and I don't know who was with Gordon that let him release the statement. But, like, let's deal with the facts here. The horse, you know, Gordon's pictured on on a dead horse. Has abuse taken beforehand or not? We don't know. But I would think not on the basis that his horses are turned out to an unbelievably high to a very high standard at the races. His results speak for themselves. He started off from ground level in racing terms, you know, he's not from a racing background and he's worked his way right to the top and he's built up a, a serious empire at, at Calantra. I've never been, but the, the results speak for themselves. And had his, if his horses were being mistreated, they wouldn't be able to perform regardless of what level, whether it's a, a bottom, of, bottom of the road selling hurdle to Grand National. His horses would not be able to perform if they were being, if they were being mistreated. For non-racing folk, if there are any people listening, you know, a footballer, a striker cannot score goals if he's being mistreated or if he's unhappy at a club. And it's like that here. These horses are the horses and their animals. You know, they needed to be treated like that, but they're also professional athletes. So, you know, we can see the love and devotion on social media now, and it far outweighs the, any of this kind of stuff. Like, we've never seen this before. Um, You know, the the staff, Gordon has a lot of long-serving staff and a lot of good staff over the road with, with some of the staff that work there, as, you know, the, the road as jockeys. Um, some of the staff I, I would have known from England that have come across here and some of the staff have been there have been with Gordon from day one so that's always a good sign you know let alone anything else if, if I don't know Gordon I've met him a few times but I wouldn't know as such but that's always a good sign if, if you the staff there if you don't have a high turnover of staff it's generally a good sign now Gordon came out and admitted that the, that the photo was real he didn't deny it, he didn't try to deny it. He's admitted the photo is real and the IHRB are dealing with that. So I don't know what more. I get the social media thing to, to vent your frustration, vent your anger. I was angry. I felt sick when the, when the when he came out and admitted it. I felt my stomach turned. I felt sick. I felt angry, furious because I've worked directly in the industry and I feel... Like I'm not no way P. McCoy or what have you, but I would have rolled against the best and rolled for the best as well and rolled out for the best. And the amount of times, and I didn't realise this when I was immediately involved in racing, you know, riding out and that and race riding. When I, you know, transferred to the betting industry, the amount of times that I've had to defend the sport and its integrity for cruelty or for you know, it's either fixed, cruel, or both. And I've never ridden in a fixed race in my life where I knew what was going to finish first, second, third, fourth, fifth, going out. Um, cruelty, like the horses don't, they cannot, they would not be able to perform. Like you know, if you go up to a soccer player or a Gaelic footballer for anyone who's listening at home here in Ireland and you punch him in the, in the stomach or in the guts and ask him to go and run for 30 minutes, you'll see how much yards he puts in. Whereas if, you know, you, you got to, he had to be fit, healthy, happy. Yeah, um, this is like, I've got an ex-show jumping mare who was abused and beaten in show jumping. And... That horse just down tools. It would not jump. It did not want to jump. It did not want to perform anymore because she had been mistreated. Um, so my my gut feeling on that side of things is the same as yours. So I yeah, don't you think got... the horses would be performing. No, they won't. 
they, they, they won't, they physically won't. If they're not happy, if they're mistreated, they won't. And that's not the case here. The, the photo is horrendous. I'm not defending. The photo is horrendous. And it needs to be dealt accordingly. But it is going to be, as far as we're aware, I'm not qualified to, to dish out punishment to Gordon Elliott. I don't work for the IHRB. But there's a panel there that are. And they're dealing with it. And Gordon's admitting to it. So what, what more do people want? Um, you know, it's, it, he shows a disturbed sense of humour. As does Rob James, like that video, what, what he was thinking, another moment of stupidity. But to the non-racing person, you know, we Davy Russell on uh Davy Russell was on a one of the best jockeys of his generation was on a talk show over here on RT prime time um after during the week, earlier on in the week. Yeah, David Russell was caught he punched the horse in the head a couple of years ago. That was brought up again. You have Gordon Elliott who was photoed sitting on a dead horse and then Rob James was caught climbing up like mocking a, a dead horse and people are laughing at it that are in the video can be heard laughing but they're all connected like Rob James rode a Cheltenham Festival winner for Gordon Elliott there's a gig and sounds horse unfortunately whoever's horse it is unfortunately that, that's what Gordon was sitting on and then obviously Davy Russell is, is well connected with Gordon Elliott to a non-racing person does that shout culture to you? I don't know like it's it's it doesn't look good and it's the most media coverage it's the most media coverage that I can think of the top of my head that horse racing has got here in Ireland outside the Cheltenham and Entry Festivals. Like the Joe Duffy it's a talk show on RT Radio One here. Like the, it was all on about Joe Duffy. Like it was all on about the incident yesterday, I think. Um it's been the main headlines on, on any news you turn to. And I was furious just from the point of view that and it, it scared me and it, I was surprised and, and sick of defending horse racing and its integrity. We always seem to be on the back foot trying to trying to, to justify the sport. And all I can say is, to any person, you know, you can go in unannounced to trainers that I've worked for or, you know, any trainer I've written out for, Henry Daly's, Tom George's, Mark Johnson's, unannounced. So you, have no, you don't have the element of surprise or what have you and you'll see how they'll be treated. And, and they are treated like I've turned up unannounced at Fergal's to ride they're treated so well yeah and that is the majority the absolute wide sweeping majority of horses and trainers and staff are, are just all about the horse and they're reeling from this as well because it does not demonstrate who they are and what they're about that's who I feel sorry for as well. The stable lasts and lads, Finn Gordon's, we've lost. I mean, obviously they've got that, that bond, that love and affection. Now I'm going to see them getting put into lorries and moved. I mean, it's no fault of their own. This is something that no. I've thought about a lot as well, because when you work for someone, you have a certain level of trust in them and they have a certain level of responsibility to you. Like, I, I don't work with horses anymore, I work in hospitality, but if my boss did something that put our business in jeopardy, he would be absolutely distraught that it put our income and our careers on the line. And it, it's one of those things when you run a business or you're a figurehead for a business, your actions are so important. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, just the last thing what I'll say is like the like how from the IHRB point of view, I don't know where you go with um with an entry point for this. I don't know where you start off. Maybe it was mentioned, I think, on the Claire Bourne show, Ted Walsh, should Gordon have handed in his license straight away? I I don't know. And and take, you know, he's he's been very cooperative with the IHRB. It was as far as we are aware, it was a, a moment of madness. But I think as well the people who are like he could have outed the person holding the camera. He could have easily he could have said that that photo was not real and he could have drawn it out and outed the person whoever took the camera. Whoever took the photo wasn't exactly telling Gordon to get off the horse. Yeah. Um, and likewise in the other video, like what why would you take the video? Why would you take it out in the first place? And and Rob James then gets on the horse and pretends to, to ride it and, and he, to chop the other side of the fence is laughing um 
Like it definitely brings in the, the I don't know what the entry point would be, but it definitely brings the sport into to disrepute and the question is the integrity of the sport. As I said, as as I grew up in, in a farm from a farming background and worked twenty eight years in the industry, I've never seen anything like this before. I've been I've been always taught to treat horses with, with respect, both alive and, and in death. And it's 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 horrible. Like I've had it happen to myself, I've seen it happen firsthand and I can tell you there was absolutely silence for the next three days because it was horrific. Um, it, it was just horrendous. It's not nice, but Gordon's admitted it. He has admitted it. I'm not defending it, but Gordon has admitted to that the photo's real. It's horrific. The IHRB are dealing with it and hopefully so, we'll deal accordingly and we can we can move on. I think it's going to be a tricky decision for them. I don't think whatever decision they make is ever going to please everyone. Um <coughs> But the I think we'll wrap up here on that subject and try and focus on something positive. Um, but my last little thing would be, if you haven't already, um, go and read Lydia Hislop's piece on Sporting Life about it. Um, she's written up about it in a way that um, does put aside the emotion of it and kind of helps you make sense of it and put your thoughts in order if anyone feels like they need to do that so let's try and talk about something positive um let's start with the 3:30 at doncaster this saturday so the virgin beck brimsort handicap chase let's go with we'll go with mark first this time it's very kind of you kitty um Okay, so back on to something more positive. Um, obviously, we're going to look at Saturday's card at Donny. I'd, you know, obviously, I'd be looking for something a bit better than a favourite here, but I think Canelo is the one to beat here. Um, I can see Paul Callahan smiling. No, I didn't look at your notes, Paul Callahan. Um, I just, I, I like Canelo for Alan King and Tom Bellamy. Um, prior to, to the run at Doncaster on the 30th of January, behind taking risks, Canel was looking like a progressive sort. And I think I write uh, one that Chris Loder likes and was quite keen on behind surname in the Charlie Hall. Um, it's a good yardstick. Uh, Canelo emphatically won an entry on the 7th of November over a shorter trip of two mile four. Deferred in that race, John Joe O'Neill's time to get up one well at Wincanner on the 4th of February of 130. So the farm looks decent. I expect further improvement over the extended trip for Canelo. He's won at Doncaster back in 2018, so handles the track. Um, I don't think this looks that competitive. It's original, but I think Canelo 2-1 to one looks a fair price. I mean, hopefully he can get a bit of a drift, a bit of 9-4-5-2 on the day, but looks solid for me, Canelo. Okay, so as Paul has gone for the same selection, do you have anything to add, Paul? I do, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Look, time waits for no man. So yeah, we'll move on from what we were talking about. Um, just to begin with, Chidswell won this back in 2019, beating a fancy Alan King runner in Dingo Dollar. That was off a handicap mark of 127. The race is here off 130, but he hasn't shown anything really since finishing second at Kelso on the 8th of December back in 2019. He has finished third in his two of his last three runs, but his jumping was very poor, and on both occasions he was ultimately he was never dangerous, never landed a blow. On his best form, Chidwell would play a hand here, as would Justice Sting, who's interesting off one three five. He had a run in a jumper's bumper at Kempton, but his last few runs over jumps, you you couldn't make a case from really to invest. But on his best form, he he would maybe play a hand here, as would Chidwell. But Canelo, he's been one that's been in decent form of late. He comes here on the back of a number of decent efforts, which have yielded three victories from his last six starts. He finished fourth behind taking risks in that listed chase at Doncaster back in the 30th of January under Tom Cannon. Tom Bellamy, who has steered Canelo to two of his last three victories. He's back in the hot seat on Saturday afternoon. And I think he brings the, the best recent form and is a solid selection in comparison to, to some of the others. Chris Lauder, we've just heard that Chidswell has shown nothing. What do you think? No, I agree um, with Chidswell. He hasn't shown a lot, but he is going to be my selection 
for this race. This race is normally uh, one of the Grand National Trials or one of the key races, but it, unfortunately it's cut up a little bit. I was expecting Cloth Cap to, to run here, but we'll get into him because he's been declared at Kelso. We'll be covering his race shortly. But yeah, going back to Chidswell, Paul's right. He won this race uh, a couple of years ago back in 2019 off a mark of 127. He's three pounds higher now off a rating of 130. But I'm concerned a bit about Canelo here. I think he's gone up quite a lot in the weights and 147 I think is a little bit high for him and he's had a couple of hard races and I would just question whether he would stay the extra two furlongs this race is over three miles and two furlongs and he he to me he didn't look like he quite got home the last day at Doncaster okay we know he stays three miles because he has won uh, over that trip in his career he won the Roland Merrick chase at Weatherby so I can see why he's favourite, you know, um, but I just think Chidswell is off a workable rate and Nicky Richards loves to target this race. And I think he's a bit of a Doncaster specialist. He finished third in this uh, in the Skybet chase at Doncaster last year. So he saves his best form for this track. The ground is uh, in his favour as well. He loves good ground. Um, I just think in a really weak renewal of this race, I think Chidswell would be the way I would play. but So, yeah, he, he would have to step up on what he's been shown from his recent efforts. But, yeah, Chidwell gets a nod for me. Lovely stuff. So, small field for that one, the 3.30 at Doncaster on Saturday. So, we've got Chris siding with Chidwell, who is currently best price at 11 to 2. And Mark and Paul siding with Canelo, who is currently 2 to 1 in most places. So, on to Kelso. And the 240, the Bet365 Premier Chase, the Cloth Cap race, another small field. Um, but we've managed to find three different selections for this. So we've got a differing of opinions. Let's start with Chris. Yeah, well, I think this is the Grand National Trial we were looking for. I think um, the majority of these horses have got Grand National on their radar and I am going to go with Cloth Cap now I'm surprised like I said they didn't run him in in the Grimthorpe I just thought it would have been such a nice prep for him going to the, to the Grand National but there's some classier types in this and he is going to have to step up a little bit however I do think some of these have had some hard runs of late or a little bit old now or uh, exposed I don't think this is a particularly uh, easy race to figure out but I have just given the nod to Cloth Cap I was really impressed with his uh, win in the Labricks Trophy it was a great ride by Tom Scudamore who interestingly keeps the ride and I don't know if they're in, that means he would uh, take the ride in the Grand National because Rishi McLernan's had an association with this horse during his career and uh, it looks like he might ride Kimberlite Candy um, in the National if uh, if he hasn't taken the ride here so yeah, I think Cloth Cap, he, he is going to have to step up, but his form at Newbury is rock solid. Iwright's boosted the form to a good extent, so lots of things in his favour. But on ratings, he would have a little bit to find with a few of these. He does get uh, a little bit of weight from some of the others, but yeah, he is going to have to step up a little bit. But I thought some of the others were exposed in the lineup, might have some stamina doubts as well. Um, whereas he's still on an upward curve and I just think when you take everything into the equation I just think the progressive cloth cap will come through and I think he'll go very close so for me in a race where, where I don't think it's really a particularly strong betting contest I I just think for me cloth cap just gets the nod and will be my selection for the race so Chris is siding with cloth cap Mark who's your selection for this race uh, actually, I, I disagree with Lucky Loaders on this one. I am um, quite keen on Two Foot Gold, Kim Bailey, David Bass. I thought it was between ASO and Two Foot Gold at the top of the bang. Obviously, Two Foot Gold beat ASO last time at Warwick on the 15th of February by a neck, who he reopposed at Kelso. Um, £6 better off on that occasion, but now there's a £7 swing at the weights. Realistically, I mean, normally you would favour ASO uh, with that weight swing, but I'm not convinced by ASO's battling qualities. I feel that the extra three furlongs on Saturday over two miles seven will, will be in two for goals favour, in my opinion. And I can I can just see this one beating ASO by even further this time. So 
get that sporting index account open, Chris Loader. Uh, we'll get the distance bits up here. I'm quite keen on two for gold. Currently five to two. I think that's a fair price. Uh, two for gold. Oh, Callahan, give us our third option for this race. I don't. Ace mightn't have to, to show us back in quality here or lack of them. Um, you know, there's four front runners here, including Aso, but he doesn't have to make the running. Do you know, we showed in the past that he can can run just as well when settling behind the leaders. Do you know, you have two for goals, cause cap definitely red. They'll go forward, and and the other three, you know, they mentioned they've all. They're better formers when they're allowed to dictate from the front. So I think Charlie Deutsch here in an ideal world, he'll obviously line up to make it. I'd imagine the other three will, I'm anticipating the other three cutting each other's throats and um, maybe setting it up nicely for a, a patient day. So I think to pick up the pieces. Lovely stuff. So Kelso, the 240, the Bet365 Premier Chase roundup. We have Chris siding with Cloth Cap, who is currently at four to one in most places. We've got Mark with two for gold, currently best price available five to two. And ASO also on five to two for Paul Callahan. So staying at Kelso for the next race, we've got the 315 Bet365 More Battle Hurdle. Let's start with Paul. I am going to go with Hunter's Call, who has been placed over longer trips in his last couple of runs. He was four behind the shunter when the pair clashed at Cheltenham at the Open Meeting last November. Hunter's Call was a little over six lengths. So he's a little over six lengths to find with the shunter, but at Cheltenham, nine pounds separated the pair at the weights. There's only four pounds separating them here. Hunter's Call was cantering two out at Cheltenham, but ultimately got tired up the run-in. So I can see why connections have stepped him up and trip. But two miles at Kelso will take a bit of getting. It's a long out run-in from the, from the last hurdle to the winning line. And um, yeah, I think the shunter also, he can race quite keenly. And he's declared, I see, with the tongue tie and his, his hook the hood as well. We may be a little bit keen here. So I'm going to side with, with Hunter's Call and ultimately a competitive handicap order. So, Hunt's call for Paul Callahan. Chris, who are you going with? Yeah, I am going to side with Tommy's Oscar for Danny McMenamin and Anne Hamilton. We've already seen Anne Hamilton have a good season. She's uh, done a great job with Nutswell, who we saw earlier win the Old Run Chase at Aintree back in October. So, um, definitely uh, more than capable of getting the job done and she's done very well with this horse Tommy's Oscar um, I actually remember putting him up at Musselburgh on his handicap debut where he absolutely hacked up off a mark of 124 he was very impressive that day it was a class 3 handicap but it was a very weak renewal uh, or a weak race I should say for that grade um, there is a lot of substance to that form. Uh, it's produced a couple of winners. He then went on to uh, finish second in the Scottish uh, Supreme uh, Novices Hurdle trial behind Bareback Jack. Now, uh, obviously, lots of people will know that I am a massive fan of Bareback Jack, but I thought he ran a good race. He was just a little bit outpaced uh, in the closing stages, but then he rallied on again strongly in the last 100 yards or so just to snatch um second place and that was a, a good run i thought the form of that race has worked out okay as well because some of the horses in behind you had democratic hope of keith dalgleish he's won a race at sedgefield since you had the sixth place horse as well belfast banter uh come over from ireland that horse finished uh second in the grade two so it didn't look a bad race uh, at all um and i think tommy's oscar he's got a rating of 133 i think he could be a 140 plus horse i really do i think the handicapper uh, still hasn't gotten to the bottom of him. I think he's more than capable. And I think he's going to have a massive say in this race. I nearly put him up as my nap. But uh, the the others, uh, the, 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 there was others on the card that were a little bit more tempting. Uh, so I, I won't be uh, giving my nap just yet. But Tommy's Oscar, he nearly was my nap. And I really fancy him to get the job done. So Tommy's Oscar as a next best then, Chris. Yeah, next, my next best of the weekend, Tommy's Oscar. <laughs> so, Mark, anything to add? I can see you laughing there, Katie Clements. Um, 
Chris Lowder has been looking at my notes again, I think. I'm, I'm also with uh, Tommy's Oscar. I think it's an interesting runner. Progressive sort over hurdles for Anna Hamilton. Bumped into a smart type at Musk for last time out on the 7th of February. Bareback Jack. Uh, Donald McCain's one that Chris Lowder's alluded to, um, who's four from four so far. Third time lucky of Dan Skellens was also in that race fourth at Musselburgh, who's rated 144. Um, Tony's Oscar still on a mark of 133. Note for notes, word for word, Chris Loder. This looks a minimum 140 horse plus, in my opinion. I think 10 to 1 is an absolute massive price. Um, could be the nap of the week. I just just think this this horse looks progressive. And I do think that must perform look, looks really solid. Uh, with bareback Jack, Donald McCain's, I mean that thing could potentially be a one fifty. I mean off one three feet could potentially be thrown in here. Um ten and one looks massive for Anne Hamilton and Danny McMenamin. Well you've persuaded me guys. Um perfect. So to wrap up the three fifteen at Calso, we've got Chris and Mark siding with Tommy's Oscar, who is currently priced at ten to one in most places. And Hunter's call for Paul Callahan, best price currently available is 12 to 1 there. So moving on to Newbury, we've got the 150 Bet Victor Greatwood Gold Cup Handicap Chase. It's a grade three race. And I think I might throw a selection in for this in the end as well, because why not? Um, but let's start with Chris. Yeah, well, normally the way to go in this race uh, is to follow Paul Nichols. He's won the race nine times, and he's currently got the market leader in Grand Sancy. And I nearly did put him up just through the fact that Paul Nichols has got a fantastic record in this in the race. And Grand Sancy is a very talented horse on his day. But the more I looked into him, the more I had quite a few question marks against him and at the prices I, I just couldn't bring myself to put him up you know he's 149 I do think he might have a, a race in him off that mark but from the reports uh from what Harry Cobden said the last day when he uh, uh was well beaten in the in a three runner grade two at Wincanton apparently had wind issues um and he had a wind uh up bef uh, on it before his first run of the season when he absolutely hacked up at at Chepstow, so the fact he hasn't had a wind up or they're not using a tongue tie to help his breathing just does put doubts in the back of my mind. But obviously, he's got an obvious chance on paper. I have gone for Killer Clown of Adam Wedge and Emma Lavelle. Uh, I've been following this horse for a while. He's he's been on my radar. I I uh, put him up. I think when he unseated um, the rider at uh, Utoxeter in a race that worked out really well. Then put him up at Exeter and then. He, he didn't quite stay, and then I put him up at Sandown, and then I, I didn't follow him in again when he went on to win at Kempton and absolutely hacked up. So uh, I was a bit uh, I was a bit in a mood that day that I never had a penny on him when he absolutely bolted up uh, by seven lengths, beating uh, Falco Blitz. That form has worked out not too bad. Falco Blitz went and won a handicap. He was raised by the handicap of £15 for that win to a mark of 138 but I do think he does have uh, a bit more scope to to, uh, to come from that mark. I could easily see him being up to maybe a one four five kind of horse. Um, I think this trip is what he wants. The good ground shouldn't be an issue as well. And Emma Lavelle's team have been in fairly good form. So for me, I thought the progressive killer clown would go very close. Lovely stuff. Paul, have you got anything to add to Chris's comments on killer clown? Any chance you can change your selection, Chris? No. No, afraid not. I, I had to I'm go in this time. That. I had to go in this time. I couldn't do it again. I've gone. I've gone. I've gone with Chris. Yeah, I've gone with Killer Clown. Um, you know, he was a good winner at Kempton over the Christmas period. Now he's got a fifteen pound hike in the weights from the handicapper, but he was an easy winner. And this is just his ninth career start in total, and just his fifth start over fences so there's surely plenty more to come so i'm going to go with you know if there is a bit more improvement handy way to 10 11 i'm going to say the killer clown lovely stuff mark give us something different well i think the um, chris and paul didn't, didn't see my homework on this occasion they must have missed that page but i've actually went for the outsider of the field here i quite liked 
the Russian Doyen. Big price. It's currently 33s and about a 25 to 1. And that wasn't me who did that. I just think this is this looks an open race. At the bottom of the weights, Russian Doyne definitely caught my eye. Formerly trained by Colin Tizard and now in the capable hands of Jeremy Scott. Disappointing 2020 for this one and probably explains the stable switch because obviously Tizard's going for a bit of a, a, a grace spell. Um, but only an eight-year-old. I was competing against a plus star, for example, in the Close Brothers at Cheltenham in 2019, finishing fourth. He's been highly tried and clearly has ability down to a mark of 132. I think he can be competitive. Was travelling well in the lead at Newbury on the 28th of November when following Robbie Power in the saddle. I mean, I just think the Royal, the Royal Russian Diamond has winning course and distance form. The run at Catering on the 20th of December looked a tad disappointing, but I think this horse really wants better ground. Genuinely, I think this horse could be really dangerous if get, getting into a rhythm. Um, for Nick Schofield, currently 25 to 1 shot. I think he's better than a mark of 132 and, and looks value for me in this race. Perfect. So I'm going to throw one into the mix on this as well. Um, and I don't think I'll have a bet. I haven't had a bet all week. The last, well, I haven't had a bet for nearly two weeks. Um, the last bet I had was with Tritonic. Um, so I'm going to throw in another Alan King trained McNeil horse for this one. Um, with senior citizen um last time out was back at the beginning of december at aintree in the grand sefton um and he jumped brilliantly he looked absolutely amazing um i was mega impressed with him and he's not a horse whose career i've really followed um but he just seemed to tire two furlongs out and lost a lot of places um with that tiring so Hopefully, if he jumps well this time out, he can be up in the mix um, this time. Lovely, smart horse. And, um, yeah, we all know I like a Alan King McNeil horse, so I can't not mention him. So to wrap up for the 150 at Newbury, we've got the Russian Doyen for Mark, currently at 25 to 1. We've got Killer Clown for Paul and Chris, who is currently priced at 11 to 2, and I'll throw in Senior Citizen at 7 to 1. Lovely stuff, folks. Do we have anything else to talk about? I mean, we should probably talk about Tritonic, shouldn't we? Yeah, how easy was that, Katie? Easy peasy. It was, it just looked an absolute breeze. And I mean, I'm incredibly biased, but I'm really excited about him. I'm really excited about him for the McNeils and for Alan. And I think to hear Alan talk so passionately and so enthusiastically about him was was great because, I mean, Alan's a bit of an old-fashioned horseman and he can play his cards to his chest sometimes, but they clearly love this horse. Um, I've mentioned on the podcast before, David, um, Alan's head lad who rides So Royale, um he rides tritonic and he says he's he's the best horse he's ever sat on um and reports are that he's bounced back from the race really well and is literally bouncing in his work already so although people on social media have said oh it wasn't that impressive you how can you be impressive when everything's very easy do you know, you need to get him on the podcast, Kate, he seems like a, a right good judge because he's right about Soriel as well. Yeah, he was, I told you. Um, no, he's a good bloke, David. Um, so hopefully this will be their triumph winner. I mean, they've not had much... Well, they've had, they've had luck in the race. Goretti came third and Walkon came second, but it's a race that they've always wanted to win. Um, so I'm hoping Tritonic will do it for them. It was probably the performance of the weekend, I thought. Um, I didn't think Kempton would suit him. I thought he would get outpaced. I think he may have got outpaced at one stage. But, um, yeah, when he hit top flight, like, I mean, he just about caught the, the Gary Moore horse at Ascot when he looked mm-hmm. to, to, to get outpaced coming up, coming out of Swindley Bottom. And, like, when you look at the Ascot run, he needed every yard of the, the home straight to get past the Gary Moore horse. But at Kempton... And as I said, I don't think Kenton would have played to his strengths. Like his turn of foot from the, the last to the to the line was, was something else. Do you know, you could argue that the other horses got tired, but... It was hands and heels as well. Like, it just... 
there was no yeah. weapon either run he just looks he looks really smart i think i think we haven't seen the best of him yet yeah no it's really smart performance he's been yeah. my shining light this last week like he's keeping me excited um through all the darkness so i mean i've got 33 to one little each way on him for the triumph so if that comes in um you'll you'll all know about it <laughs> that was quiet katie yeah I and that's I, not a bit fair it is <laughs> um but it's my <laughs> he's my first ever anti bet i've never done one before um as you all know, I, I gamble a bit, but not a lot. Um, but I felt really excited about him even before his first hurdle run. So I got it on. Um, so fingers crossed it pays off. That account will be getting state factor tomorrow, Katie Clemens. I'll be able to just Can I just mention, I'm not going back into dark times, but I just want to mention when you said there, Katie, that like, he, he won and didn't have to be whipped. And we mentioned earlier on in the podcast at the beginning, like if there are non, non-horse people, or people, you know, anti-racing. Like, when you look at it, horses are a pack animal, and you'll never see 10 horses in a field with eight or nine of them galloping around and the other one or two standing up and going, what are they at? The 10 of them will, will gallop around together. You'll have horses who like to be at the front, horses who like to be at the back, but ultimately, you get their natural competitiveness. And that's pretty much what a, a horse race is, is what, what, what they do in a horse race. Some like to be in front, some at the back. And just when I mentioned it, there was a, a political journalist who, who had an argument over the, the the cruelty or what have you with horse race and I was defending it he, he actually thought that horses would be whipped the whole time and they're actually not obviously they're not um, and when we watched it we were in the betting shop watching it and we watched the next three races and out of three races the horses at the front and we, we could count four strikes to the, to the stick in three races which was he, he was completely gobsmacked when I pointed it out to him this is was, the thing a lot of a lot of the action is just showing them that and to, being to do, enthusiastic yeah to do so much like you know to do so much themselves anyway when you watch the top jockeys like you know how like you watch richard johnson ryan moore but horses are trying how many horses do you see get a flick of the stick that all, all of a sudden take off none they're, they're generally 99.9 <laughs> percent of them are trying anyway and you'll see a loose horse will come alongside the leader and all of a sudden the leader will go on the leader will come alongside the loose horse and the loose horse to go on it's their natural instincts and um yeah i just wanted to fight for anyone non-racing or anti-race or something to maybe if you have any interest to, to pay attention maybe in the future if it, if it interests you i mean we we use whips in all equestrian disciplines and i think using this term whip is it makes it sound worse than it is we use them in dressage and someone commented on one of my photos like well that's a very long whip that's cruel and it's like no it is like we don't i don't know the way that you use it isn't as a punishment and they don't associate it as that either if you're using it correctly then that is not how the horse interprets it no i think i probably would have done more damage tickling the horse with the stick than actually hitting it I don't think so. Do you know? But that's that's it. Like I didn't because my not when you're balanced. You know, you come up, but you lift your arm up, and the body goes one way, and the horse goes the other. You yeah. want the horse to go that in a straight line. I don't want it to go sideways. You want the horse to run in a straight line, and it's more about educating the younger riders coming through, which I think are the standard is is pretty high, and educating the, the people who who want to be educated. And I hope you know develop a love and a passion for the sport like we have yeah definitely i think a lot of the racing schools are doing amazing things with the younger jockeys um teaching them so much just outside of the actual horses as well with food and nutrition and everything like that and exercise and i think the the future of the sport in those hands is is bright Chris yeah before we uh, give the naps I know, yeah you've um, got something to talk about <laughs> yeah I did mention this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and 
and Paul gave a, what I thought was a reasonable explanation, the Jockeys' Championship. Um, it's getting a bit closer than it looked a couple of weeks ago now. Um, Brian Hughes is only nine ahead as as we speak. I know I'm looking at one website and it says that Harry Cobden's 99, but I believe he rode his 100th winner today at Taunton. So Brian Hughes is only nine ahead of Harry Skelton and um, Harry Cobden. So it's getting a bit tight up there, you know. And I remember Paul said that he thought that maybe because of a lot of the Northern meetings being cancelled, that's maybe why Brian Hughes... Um, wasn't maybe pulling away a little bit further from 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 those nipping at his heels but i did a little bit of research into it and him and harry skelton in february were having pretty much the same amount of rides um i just think maybe brian hasn't been getting on the best horses up in the north the last couple of months i've seen the likes of sean quinlan um yesterday for example i think uh there was a horse called not the shabley one and I remember Brian Hughes, I think he rode it the last time out. And then Brian was on Nicky Richards' horse. And Sean Quinlan was on Nick Alexander's horse. So what I'm trying to say is that I think I think Brian hasn't been on, been get necessarily getting the best mounts over the last couple of months. And th- with the red-hot form of the skeleton yard and Nichols keep ticking, ticking him over, you know, it is getting a bit close. And... And I expect Brian Hughes, it'd be interesting, he's going to have a decision to make when it comes to Cheltenham, because he's been now champion jockey, um, obviously he's got the attention and he is getting a few, I'm noticing he is coming down south a little bit more for, for maybe some better, better quality rides or a few of the northern trainers are sending them down here. So maybe he isn't going up north and he's not getting those three, four winners per meeting like he, he normally does. So I wonder Cheltenham, is he going to maybe go... I'm not, I'm not going to go to Cheltenham this year. I'm going to concentrate at some of the lesser meetings and try and get my get my lead back a little bit more. But it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, I think I think it's not done yet, this title. And I think I think we could see it going maybe a bit like last season on the flat with, between Oshin Murphy and Will Buick. Will Buick gave it a right good go in the last few weeks. And I could see maybe a similar scenario here where this will go down to the wire, I think. And uh, I think it's still too close to call who's going to win it. Probably still have to maybe just say Brian, but yeah, don't just Paris count. Skelton yeah. has just been a joy to watch riding recently. Yeah, don't just count. Skelton or Cobden, I think they'll. All three of them are riding at Kelso on uh, the weekends, and normally you would you'd think Brian Hughes would get the pick of the rides, especially North. I would probably say Harry Skelton's got pick of the rides, so I think the gap could be even even shorter come uh, come Monday. It's exciting. I'm just looking. It's always been a case of when the I can only I didn't go through. I know Brian's riding for John Quinn in the first. But this, I just noticed from the two races we did look at, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of southern trainers with runners in the north, which is very worrying, I think. Um, but Brian, the northern, the southern trainers going up north generally tend to bring their own jockeys anyway, for for obvious reasons, and that you know the there's not that many spares since two thousand and five or six going in England. You know, if you have ten runners, you have, you have a big field, but. Um, and maybe that's why that the Southern Yards are very well represented at, at Kelso on Saturday. I don't know. Um but I I don't know. I, I know Brian Brian I I saw he rode one or two for Charlie Longston down south, but I, I'd say he's staying in the north. I can't see him I couldn't see him having too many horses with serious chances with, with no disrespect, but that's the, the north south divide I think is is still there. But you know, he's one of the best He's the best, one of the best North um, agents in the business in, in the North. Richard Hale, who would, who dominated Northern racing for years. I know now we have with Bruce Jeffrey, um, over the jumps representing the jump sleds as well. But um, Richard Hale would look after Brian, so I could see Brian as like when, when I was in the North for a period of time. Richard looked after Tony Dobbin and Graham Lee, um, just for off the top of my head. There was one meeting I went to at Hexham, six races, Graham and. Dobbs had a first and second favourite in every race, you know, and, and it was Richard Hale who, who, who organised that. And I'd imagine Brian would have, you know, I'd imagine as the thing. Brian's a top class jockey, but um, I'd imagine there'll be 
giving it a push from you know from now till the end. Shall we do our naps and then wrap up for the evening? Chris, you have got a nap selection that we have mentioned but not really covered. Fire away. Yeah, that's right. In the one thirty at Kelso, my favourite bareback Jack. Steps up this time into grade two company, and I just think this horse is so exciting. Yes, we might give hopefully Brian Hughes a winner, who is uh, who is uh, booked. Um, already mentioned that he's undefeated, and I thought his run last time was very good at Musselburgh in a race that we've already seen some of the horses finished back down the field, already start to come out and boost that form. I thought he was very game and he was very tough that day on ground that probably wouldn't have suited. It was actually soft ground at Musselburgh. That day, and I know some people said, "Oh, he might have been a bit of a fortunate winner because um, third time lucky, who jumped alongside him at the last, was a was very um, he he made a mistake at the last, which kind of just cost his momentum." But I still think Bearback would have just pulled out a little bit more, you know, because he he is tough. Um, and I think the drying ground at Kelso would really suit him. He's got an official rating of one three seven. I still think he's far better than that. Uh, my Drogo is the favourite for for Dan Skelton at the moment. Obviously, we spoke about them being in great form. Um, that form has worked out from his Ascot win with Soaring Glory, but I think Soaring Glory that day the ground wasn't particularly in his favour, so that's why I think he really excelled at Newbury. I think my my Drogo isn't quite as good as. Uh, what we what we saw at Ascot, so I would be in the uh, Bearback Jack camp, and he does get two pounds from him. I think any news, I'm not sure about him. We haven't seen him for a while. That would be a little bit worrying. Lucky one is he a bit in and out, in my opinion. He was very impressive last time, but he has been quite free <laughs> in his races. I just think Bearback Jack. We still haven't got to the bottom of him, and by sending him to Kelso, I think Cheltenham isn't in their plans. Aintree, I think. Is where where we'll eventually see and hopefully have a crack at a grade one. But I'm hoping he can take uh, this race before hopefully he does step into group one com- uh, grade one company. Sorry, so uh, bareback Jack in the one thirty at Kelso on Saturday. It's going to be my nap for the weekend. Is currently priced at seven to two. Second favourite to the skeletons, my Drogo. Uh, Paul, who are you having as your nap this week? I'm. Although Mark has also gone with him, I hope it doesn't come against him in the closing stages of the, the Grim Talk in the last two forums. I'm going to go with Canelo, where a lot of the other, well, not a lot, it's a small field, but the majority of the other sports, the, the top of the betting market come with question marks. He doesn't. He's been pretty consistent. Tom Bellamy back on board. Canelo's my nap for the weekend. Lovely stuff. So Canelo is 2-1. to one. And Mark, who are you going with? You know, I, I quite fancy both um, both naps. I think Chris Loader's uh, Bearback Jack's obviously got form of the one that I like, Van Hamilton. not allowed to do that. But yeah, I just I, I genuinely think we could get a Trixie up this week. Um, I think that Bearback Jack, I'm looking at the price, he's just now 7 at 2, 11 at 10, my drug. I think the price is wrong. I think it should probably be about maybe 5 to 4, 7 to 4. Um, I think Bearback Jack, I mean, this looks like a 1. Maybe a one four five plus, maybe potentially a one fifty. I think seven two is a massive price, so Crystal is definitely found one there. So hopefully that one does the business impressively. Um, obviously alluding to the one that I like, which runs in fifteen, about three six five battle hurdle. Tommy Oscar obviously finished second to Crystal. There's not bareback Jack. I think ten to one is an absolute ridiculous price. I, mean, I think this thing should be about nine to two, four to one, off a mark of one fee three. Um, Looks like a 140 plus here. Um, two winning naps, obviously, Sword and Glory that Chris alluded to before. Um, and obviously, I tried to it last week. And I, I didn't know. Oh, did when... you? I didn't yeah. listen, sorry. So we're going, we're going for a free time here. Um, and I didn't know when I was doing my description of uh, Tommy Oscar and Russian Diane. Uh, Paul Callum was starting to get to get a bit nervous when he was seeing these prices. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll go for we'll go for uh, a third winning nap. Tommy's Oscar for Anne Hamilton. Dynamite Man, 10 to 1. Um, and I certainly wouldn't put anyone off uh, Canelo and uh, Bearback Jack. I mean, that looks like a solid Trixie treble for me as well. Perfect stuff. So we will round up there. Um, I think we've covered everything nicely. I think we've ended on a positive note after quite a 
turbulent week, let's say. Um, so thank you, guys. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, Mark. And thank you to everyone listening for continuing to support us with the podcast. Um, all your retweets and shares and comments and everything um, helps keep us growing every week. We couldn't do it without the support and we really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe on all the usual channels, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, and Spotify. Perfect. Hope you all have a great weekend. And remember, if you are having a bet, please do, do so responsibly. Thanks, guys. See you soon.